0: This is Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. This is a place for encouragement and hope as Richard challenges us to continue to grow in Jesus. And all month long, he's focused on holiday themes as we share the 25 Talks of Christmas. Now, if you're not able to stay with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up on the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar on the website, richardellistalks.com. Every talk can be listened to whenever you're ready on your own time at richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is No Vacancy. Today I'm going to take you down about as basic as we can And read from the scriptures, a very familiar story. But let me start out by telling you this. My dad, uh, I grew up, my dad was a pastor first, then he was an evangelist, and then he was a missionary. And we lived in Brazil and England, all over the place, different states. I went to like 11 different schools and 12 years of school. So my idea of home and being in the same place for a period of time is pretty skewed, to say the least. But part of my childhood, I remember, my dad was an evangelist, and we would travel, and we'd go like to one city and he'd speak from Monday to Sunday, and we'd stay in, you know, hotels and pick up and go to the next place. And a lot of times he'd be gone. I wouldn't even see him, then he'd come back after a few weeks or even a month or so. But I remember as a little bitty kid, you know, all this traveling and going and blowing, and you'd go from one city to the next, and sometimes it'd be cold, it'd be dark, it'd be late. You'd be asleep in the car, or when I was a kid, you know, the seatbelt laws weren't the same, and I can remember we'd get up in the back window of the car. I mean, you'd do that today, you'd have a wreck, you just kind of fly through the seats out the front window, I guess. But, I mean, nobody thought about it. You stood up, you got to sleep back in the window, and you'd be just dead dog sleep, and the car would slow down, and you know, we'd be lost, and Dad might finally ask for directions. Didn't happen a lot, but every once in a while. But we drive into a town at night, we're tired, we want to go to bed. And this is what would happen every once in a while. We'd get into this town, and we'd drive by these motels, and there'd be a motel. It had rooms. It had cars out in front of us, but there was a little sign in the front of the hotel, and it had two words, no and vacancy. Now, if you were lucky, the sign said, was lit up, vacancy, and the no was not lit, and you knew there was a room. But let me tell you something. When you're tired and you're a kid and you're driving through these little towns and there're not many hotels and every hotel you see both are lit up, you know you're in trouble. No vacancy. There's nowhere to stay, and you're sleeping in that car. And now Dad's got to go in, and you know it ain't like there's a presidential suite they're reserving in case the president shows up. You know the rooms are full. There is something that happened in the scriptures very similar to this. Somebody on a trip somebody going where they had to go, they got to where they had to be, the only thing was it wasn't a mom and dad and a bunch of kids in a car, it was a man and a woman, and the woman was pregnant, and I'm talking round young virgin pregnant, if you know the song, at least that's what I always thought it said, round young virgin, mother and child, you know when you're a kid, round young virgin just made sense, she's round, she's young, she's a virgin. And they're not in a car. They're either on foot and, you know, we like the pictures that show on a donkey, but there's no guarantee of that, I guess. And they show up in town. You know what? All the in signs, if they had them, said no vacancy. There's no place for Jesus. And I want to read you this story and hopefully you have some understanding of this as we go through it. But let's start in Luke chapter two, verse one. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She went into labor while they were there. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And this is where we understand and know that there was no room in the inn, because it says there, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was a place that travelers stayed. There was no vacancy there. So somehow the people there said, you know, this woman's pregnant. We've got to do something. If nothing else, let's get them out of the outside and the inside somewhere in a stable. And Mary went into labor. You know, and I don't want to get too detailed with this. Let me tell you something, guys. The thing that hits me about this Christmas story, there were kings. There was Caesar Augustus. There was Quirinius. There were palaces. There were places where kings were born. And there were attendants when kings were born. And there was maybe hot water when kings were born. But this king is born in a manure, germ-infested stall somewhere. And you say, why would God do that? If you ever travel anywhere on the planet outside the United States, you don't have to go far, but even in Dallas, you know, even if you're poor in Dallas, you can go to a hospital somewhere. In the worst of situations, you can get somebody to put you in some kind of sanitized place if you want to. But I know there are places on the planet now where literally in history, you know, women are pregnant and working out in a field and literally have to give birth to a child in the field because it's forced labor. Literally out there in the field. There are people who they do the best they can, and it's literally in a stall somewhere, in a hut somewhere, just out under a tree somewhere. And, you know, it doesn't talk about a midwife here. The odds are here that maybe Joseph helped deliver the Son of God. You say, well, I'd hate to do that, and maybe I could if I had to, if I was in the back of a cab or, you know, all these weird stories you hear about. This is just life. And the amazing thing about God's mind to me and how this thing worked is that the God of the universe set this deal up. You know, Bethlehem, fine. At least get a room for the guy. You know, if there's going to be a presidential suite, Jesus ought to get it, right? You know, put him somewhere. Don't you know who this is? But it's like God said, you know, we're going to fill the rooms We're going to make this as tough as possible for this reason, so that nobody on the planet, whoever gets a hold of this book and reads this story, will say, yeah, that was Jesus, but what about me? Yeah, he had it made, but what about me? He was born in a castle somewhere, in a temple somewhere. What about me? I was born out here in the woods somewhere. I was born out here in a field somewhere. I was born out here in a hut somewhere. You know what? There's nobody got anything on Jesus. There's nobody going to come up with a better story There's nobody going to stoop lower, step lower, get any lower than this Jesus. And it's amazing to me how this book still applies today. People say, well, the Bible's old, antiquated. It talks about slavery and masters and slaves, and that's obsolete. You go to Sudan and Africa right now and tell me it's obsolete. They're trading in slavery today. Right now, there are people with chains and anklets on their feet who are slaves, bought and sold today. So what do you say to those slaves in Sudan? You take them to the book, and say it's relevant. How do I treat my master in Sudan today as a slave? The Bible tells you how to do it. It works, it applies. It goes anywhere, anytime, any place, for anybody. Whosoever will may come and there's not anybody going to say, you know what this Jesus doesn't understand. He humbled himself, the scripture says, and took on the form of a servant. He got as low as you could get and came and lived and died for you and for me. And nobody would ever say, well, you've never been where I've been. You've never been through what I've been through. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living. Notice this. They're not out there watching the sheep. They're living out in the field. These are the, I mean, you talk about a bunch of guys need a bath. I mean, again, if you're going to send somebody, if you're going to announce that God has come to earth, you don't get a bunch of stinking shepherds and send them in to see this God child. These shepherds are living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock in the middle of the night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And if you watch the sequence here, God is merciful because there's one angel that shows up. That'll scare you enough, as I've already said many times in the past. And then there's a backup crew that's kind of waiting in the wings, going, okay, you go first. Break it in and we're going to hit with the music and that'll scare them a little bit, but at least it'll come in waves. So this angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. I have never, I have sensed the glory of the Lord, but I have never seen the glory of the Lord. Now, if you ever get in a place I'd like to hear about, I'm going to tell you something. When the glory of God shines around you, and there's some places in the New Testament where you can read about this. There's a thing that happened we call the Mountain of Transfiguration when Jesus and three of his disciples go up on this mountain and Moses and Elijah show up and there's something that happens up there and Jesus literally, you know, goes fluorescent, glow in the dark kind of thing. And it was wow. I mean, it was the glory of God all over Jesus and all over this experience. They wanted to build little huts and stay. Something happened to these shepherds. It's not just an angel. It's not just an angel making an announcement. Literally, there is this glory, this light, this thing that happens out in the middle of this field. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'm not coming to hurt you. I'm here to bring you good news. Do not be afraid for look, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Something's going down right now. Something has happened. There's a child. You talk about a birth announcement. This is the kind of birth announcement you want to send out. Something has happened that will affect not you, not Bethlehem. It will affect all people. Anybody who's ever lived, is living, or ever will live. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, what is this Jesus? He is a Savior. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody. You know, we talk about if you've ever been to church or, you know, know anything about church, there's a lot of hellfire brimstone stuff out there and somebody's banging on the pulpit and, you know, it's just a lot of screaming and hollering. And as I've said many times, you know, you can't figure out if they're mad at hell or just mad as hell. And you watch them and they're angry, their face is all, and like, you know, that guy's not mad about, he's just mad. Now, I get angry sometimes, but it's not just to be angry. It's I see what sin does to people's lives and how it wrecks people's lives. It's not enough just to say, you know what, Jesus is the Savior. If he is a Savior, then you need to be saviored from something. You need to be saved from something. So it's not enough just to talk to people about heaven and how beautiful heaven is. If somebody doesn't believe they're lost, and I referred a moment ago to my dad driving around. I let me tell you what. Everybody in the car knew my daddy was lost. But you know what? Until my daddy knew he was lost, we weren't lost. We were almost there, but we weren't lost. Now, what had to happen for us to get direction and get saved from my dad not knowing where he was going? He had to admit, all right, I'm lost. Now, I never heard him say that out loud or anything. We'd just pull over and ask for directions. But see, a lot of people who talk to you at the office and in your family or who go to church, you know what they're doing? They are finally, in their own subtle sometimes way, pulling over. Now, they don't roll the window down at church or at the gas station and say, excuse me, sir, I'm a really foolish man that's been driving around for 30 minutes and I'm lost. They just roll the window down and say, would you happen to know where this street and address is? Now, that guy doesn't know they're lost, and everybody in the car knew we were lost. But we're like bang, bang, going, whew. We may get there after all. Now, see, you may be one of those lost people who needs a Savior, but you're too proud or you don't know that it is okay to say, you know what, I'm sucking air here. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Could you help me? Because everybody else is driving around. It looks like they know where they're going too, don't they? And some of them are lost. You just don't know it. At some point, you got to get yourself lost before you get yourself found. And that's what happens to any and most everybody who ever finds Jesus. They say, you know what? I can't do this by myself. Maybe I got a good job. Maybe I got a decent car. Maybe I got a wife and some kids and a house or a couple of houses or a ski boat or whatever it is you think this, you know has got it going on. But at some point you wake up and you say, you know what, God? I got all this stuff that everybody says is supposed to make it work. I'm still lost. This still doesn't work. There's something missing in my life. I am lost. I need to be saved. I need to be found. God, you got to come find me. And by the way, guys, this isn't us trying to go to God. Most world religions that don't work are man's attempt to climb some ladder and reach God, to be good, to find God and get him to do something for him. You know what? Christianity is the only one on the planet where it is the God of the universe who says, you know what? You'll never reach me. You'll never find me. I'm going to leave heaven and come to you. I'm going to become one of you. And I'm going to live the way you live, die the way you die. And be buried, but raised from the dead, so I'm going to conquer your life, your sin, your death, every problem you got, I'm going to take on myself and provide a way for you to live. So he calls him here a Savior. Look at verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Lord, the boss. He's it. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe. And it gives him clues. It's like some kind of search. These little treasure hunts are going to send him on. Okay, now here's what the deal is. If you want to find this baby, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now, there are not a lot of babies, obviously, lying in mangers wrapped in swaddling cloths. Maybe the swaddling cloths part, but not mangers. So these shepherds who probably understand about babies being born out in the boonies, well, we can relate to this. A baby in a manger, well that shouldn't be hard to find. And then all of a sudden, when they're absorbing the clues about the treasure hunt, all of a sudden it says in verse 13, and suddenly, just like that, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, I'm telling you, all heaven just broke loose. I think these angels are holding their breath, they're invisible for the moment. Nobody can see them, and they're given a cue and saying, okay, I know you can't take any more now. Boom, they appear, and this sound, this glory of God, this light, this amazing thing breaks loose, and you hear this singing, this sound, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. These angels know what has just happened. That the God of the universe, now they knew nine months previously when Jesus had been conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, they knew something was going down. They had been watching this baby develop in a virgin womb and finally they get to see this baby. They've seen the baby in the manger. They can see all this stuff going on. They get to sing and herald and announce the announcement, the birth announcement of this Christ child and they bust loose glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, and what a withdrawal that must have been. You know, it almost wrecks you for life. Can you imagine being one of these shepherds and have a night like this? And for the rest of your life, you're out there kind of, you see anything? You know, you just know any second. You know, you're like praying for the rest of your life. Okay, God, one angel's fine, the host thing, just go easy on us. You know, if you're going to hit us again with this, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds, and I don't know about you guys, but I try to get in these stories, I don't know what I'd have done. I mean, what do you think? What do you do? I mean, so they look at each other after all this disappears and there's silence again. So the shepherds said to one another, Well, let us now go to Bethlehem. Man, let's go now and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Man, let's go. When God speaks something to you and you know it's him and he reveals his truth or a plan for your life and it's obviously him, guys, there ought to be something in you that says, you know what, let's not talk about this and pray about this and think about it. Let's go now, they said. Let's go find him. And that's what happens to people when they find out what God is up to in their life. Hopefully, and then you say, well, I heard him 20 years ago. Did you go now? Maybe not. If you hear him today, don't harden your heart. Don't get cold. Don't get stubborn. Don't get stiff-necked. If you hear something stirring, now it says they went. So they said, now let us go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. These guys are hooking them into Bethlehem. Now, you know, it doesn't say anything about their sheep. These are shepherds, it says they're out there watching their sheep, their flock by night, and all of a sudden it gets this announcement. You know what happens to you? You'll leave the house unlocked. You do kinda silly things sometimes when you get passionate. You just run out, you leave a car running, whatever, you just go. When it's now, it's time, you go. These guys made haste, they took off, went into Bethlehem. You know why? Because the God of the universe had been born in a stable and was in a manger a few minutes or miles from where they were and they weren't gonna miss it. Now I'm gonna tell you what overwhelms me and is so amazing. This same Jesus, you get around him, He will cause things to stir in your soul you didn't know you had. And there are people who can't take the heat. They can't take the light. They get around it and they bolt. But you know what? They come back because when all hell breaks loose, they can't take it anymore. They say, I'm going to go back where Jesus was. I'm going to find where I left him because he was born in somebody else's heart and I want him born in my heart. And they'll come back. So they came with haste, verse 16. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You know what? Just like the angel said... Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby in the manger. It says they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Punctuation is everything. Verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. That's what will happen to you. You ever see Jesus, you know what you'll do? You will make widely known the things that were told you about this child. And I've talked to people for years and years and years who are terrified to share their faith with anybody, tell anybody what's going on in their heart and life, and they'll get in a situation and all of a sudden just words come out. You can't help it. If you get something full enough, it'll start to overflow. And there are people that get so full, they start to overflow and start sharing this stuff with people around them. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now let me read you something out of Ezekiel. There's a book in the Old Testament, a book of the Bible called Ezekiel, chapter 36. And if you want to turn there, you can. If you don't know where it is, there's a table of contents in the front of your Bible. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now, this is in the Old Testament. This is what the prophet Ezekiel spoke that would happen. And it says this, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments, and you will do them. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. You ever met anybody that's just hard as nails, just tough? And even if they look, you know, I've seen some sweet old ladies before, sweet-looking old ladies, but you look them in the eye. There's some old ladies out there on the road even. You ever seen this road rage, old lady road rage thing? They got the steering wheel like right up here, and they can chew on it while they're driving. And they're barely peering over the dash. And it's got that look, if you don't get out of my way, I'm going to run you right off the highway. And they accelerate and break and go. And they're just mad. You can just look in their eyes. You can be this nice, sweet-looking little old lady and be hard as a rock on the inside. And there are people out there who say no to God so long, no to God so long, run hard, just keep going, keep going. They think they've gotten away. But God says, I'm going to give you a new spirit, take away your stony heart and put a heart of flesh in you. Now, let me tell you what's going on. People listening to this message today. Jesus comes to town again, and he drives up and down all over this town, all over this planet, and everybody's got two lights on their heart, and they're either are both lit up or one of them's lit up, and it's just a flip of a switch. And he comes up to the home of your heart, the end of your heart, and he looks at you and he says, is it no vacancy or vacancy? Which is it? See, Jesus drives through town. has been driving through for a long time, and he drives by your place. And maybe for your whole life, there have been two lights lit, no vacancy. And for some reason today, you know he's out there, and you know he needs a place to stay. And it's not just about him, it's about you. You want him to be inside you. You want to know him. You want to have that heart of stone switch for a heart of flesh to have him live in you and through you. And you understand maybe for the first time that this God loved you enough to give his son, died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried and raised from the dead to give you a new life. And you simply, now this is how simple it is. By faith, you simply flip the switch and turn the no off and just make it vacancy. And you say, Jesus, I got room for you. In fact, you can take over the whole place. I'm out, you're in. Do whatever you want to do, because my way's not working. My plan's not working. You may be a religious person, but all the religion in the world won't take the place of a relationship with the God of the universe. And maybe for the first time in your life today, you say, Lord Jesus, there's a vacancy here. There's a place for you. Come live in me. Come live through me. Change my life. Let people around me see the difference. And whatever purpose, whatever plan you had for me that I've been missing all these years, by faith, I'm asking you to come in. I receive this gift of eternal life. I ask you to change me. I thank you for loving me, for giving your own son to die for me and to make real life possible. Now, there's a whole other crew of people who at one point in your life, you flip that vacancy sign on, but now you got him stuffed in an old broom closet somewhere where nobody will know he's there. And see, you can't get rid of him. Once you let him in, you can't get rid of him. He'll never leave you or never forsake you, the Bible says. So you got him, and some of you feel like you're stuck with him. But maybe it's time to move him out of the broom closet into that presidential king suite and say, you know what, you be the boss, you run this place, you be the Lord of my life like you're supposed to, where he's not just Savior, where he is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And He's not just God to everybody else and not just Lord of everything. He wanted to make Him Lord of you and of your life, of your past, your present, your future, and let Him control it. Thank you for listening to Richard
0: Ellis Talks. So many people like you tell us that Richard's unique way of boiling down God's truths and making His Word clear and easy to apply to our daily life is what sets this program apart from everything else on your radio helping to reach everyone together with God's good news. In fact, reaching everyone together is not only Pastor Richard's ministry mission, but it's also the mission that Jesus commands each believer when he gave us our marching orders in Mark 16:15 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that's what these daily talks are all about to encourage and equip us to be a light of hope to others this Advent season. Now, during the 25 Talks of Christmas this month, it's a different holiday-themed program each and every day. So if you miss any previous Christmas talk, just click on the Daily Advent Calendar at richardellistalks.com to listen to, download, or share any of these Christmas talks. It's right there on the homepage at richardellistalks.com. And while you're on the website, be sure to surf around for hundreds of other encouraging audio and video talks, tons of interesting blogs, or to submit a request on the prayer wall, or to follow us on social at Talk with Richard, and much more. It's all right there at RichardEllisTalks.com alongside the daily Christmas Talks Advent Calendar. So as we wrap up, thank you for listening today, and thank you for praying for Richard as we look forward to coming alongside you again for the next of our 25 Talks of Christmas on Richard Ellis Talks.